throughout this entire time together. We're going to praise you for what you're going to do because we ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go into his presence together.
And during the Reformation period, there was a battle that went on because everybody left the Catholic Church. And if you're familiar with the Catholic Church, they teach that this bread actually becomes flesh in your mouth. And the cup actually becomes literal blood, you know, plasma and everything, the blood of Jesus. And so when the early Reformation fathers left the Catholic Church, a battle ensued between two individuals. One was named Swingley, and the other one was named Calvin, which you probably know the name Calvin. And the one side said, it's pretty much like it was as a Catholic. We really believe that something physical happens. And then the other side said, no, it's just remembrance. That's all it is. It's just remembering what Jesus did. Well, once again, just so everybody knows, I'm halfway between everything. <laughs> I refuse to pick a side because I believe that somehow the truth is right in the middle because I believe that when Jesus walks into this room, especially during a time when he said, I won't eat and drink of this fruit and cup until I eat and drink in the kingdom. Well, where are we this morning? We're in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, someday we're going to be fully in the kingdom when he changes these bodies. But for now, I believe that something very, very special happens during communion time. And that's the point I want to make. I don't believe this becomes the flesh and the blood of Jesus. But yet, on the other hand, I think it's more than just looking back and remembering. Because Jesus said, you proclaim this until I come again. So there's a proclamation here. So I was talking to some folks. We have, uh, of course, my sister recovering from surgery, uh, doing well. We have uh, Don Wells, who's still struggling, but doing better. He's gained 15 pounds, and, and he's doing well, but just still struggling with, with a couple of things. And uh, we have Nina's mom, Mary, is in the hospital. I believe Nina's dad is going to have some surgery this week. And just, just things that are happening in the body. And I told uh, uh, Donna, we remember Donna in prayer, we're going to have prayer time after communion, so please come down. Uh, liver condition, she wants to see the Lord about. Uh, I told Ginny Wells, though, I said, you know what, tomorrow, I told her this yesterday, tomorrow is communion Sunday, and we're going to believe that there's going to be a very real presence of healing that's going to be in this place, and it's going to spread all around to everybody that's in the hospital, everybody that's struggling. We're just going to claim that halfway blessing, right? That Jesus is going to walk into this room. And when he does, everything is going to change. So whatever you're seeking him for this morning, whatever is happening in your life, as we continue to worship and as the elements are passed out and as we partake communion together, let's just believe big today. That Jesus, the Savior, the Healer, the Baptizer, and the Coming King is going to be in this room, and He's going to touch us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Ushers, if you'll come, as they pass out the elements, and as we continue to worship, take the elements in your hand, hold them, begin that time with Him. Maybe there's some things you need to bring to Him from this past week. Maybe you need to confess some things to Him. Maybe you need a touch in your spirit, your body, your soul, whatever it is. As they pass this to you, just open your hearts and say, Jesus, here I am. Hold them.
2022 Ephesians 6, and probably next week we'll finish this book and then figure out where we're going to go from there. I think I think after we finish Ephesians, Jesus is coming back. Wouldn't that be awesome? Hallelujah. Uh, verse 21 of Ephesians 6, but that you may also know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Paul does this quite often as he ends books. He'll, he'll mention individuals, greet so-and-so, greet so-and-so. Uh, Romans, in the 16th chapter, 15 to 16, he, he does that. And several other books, he does that. Here, he does it a little bit differently. He does not mention anybody in particular because the, the letter of Ephesians is what's called a circular level letter or a cyclical letter. And it, it was to be sent to all the various churches. So it started in Ephesus and then it was sent to all the other churches as well. It was to cycle through that entire city to everybody in the city of Ephesus. And so he doesn't really greet too many people, but he mentions Tychicus. And uh, I think in, in one short closing paragraph, Paul encapsulates all that he was describing in the previous chapters. He was talking about uh, all of the, the wonderful blessings that we have, and then he jumped right into the body and how important body ministry is and how important it is that, and we'll see this in a bit, in a, in a bit later, how the body works together to nurture itself and to cause growth and things like that, and all the gifts that the Lord has given us, not only ministry gifts, but gifts in the body to nurture and bless one another. And uh, so it seems like he ends up this book by giving us a neat little flesh and blood example of an Ephesian Christian. And what's what's wonderful about this when he does these kind of things is uh, it's probably, Tychicus is probably not a famous person. He's probably not an eloquent person. We don't even know. We don't know anything about his teaching. We don't know anything about his ministry. We're not sure about anything. But evidently, he was loved respected and admired by many people. And he was used of God, and we'll see in a few moments where he was, but he was used of God, and he was evidently very efficient, very faithful, just a blessing to a lot of people. I don't know about you, but I want to be a blessing to a lot of people. I've always said it. I don't want to leave someone's presence, and after I leave, they look at somebody else and go, God, he's gone. <laughs> I mean, none of us want that. We, we, we want to leave someone's presence and they, and they think, wow, I feel better now that I met that person. I feel better. I feel uplifted after leaving that person's presence. And uh, so that seems to be what Tychicus was like. But I mentioned not much is known about him. He's mentioned uh, in Acts the 20th chapter. In 2 Timothy 4, in Titus 3, and in Colossians 4, and we'll reference those probably a bit later. But we're going to look at his characteristics. I'm going to quickly go through these. I, I usually just have a few, uh, a few um, uh, uh, points for you, but this morning we're going to have quite a few, so I'm just going to move through these very quickly. But we'll see that number one, he was devoted to service. Number two, he was faithful in service. Number three, he was devoted as a fellow laborer. He was working with Paul. He had a loving spirit. And finally, he was sympathetic and tenderhearted, because that seems like he touched so many lives. So we'll, we'll go over these here again in a moment. But number one, he was devoted to service. In that 21st chapter, uh, it, 
seems like Paul sees him as such a devoted servant. He calls him a faithful minister, a faithful servant. You know, if you've studied scripture long enough or been around this long enough, you know that the word minister is actually diakonos, from which we get deacon. So to be a minister actually means you're in service to the body. So he was devoted to service. And one of the best ways, many times, to understand something is to see the opposite of that thing. So that helps us to understand what that thing is. So here's a good one for you. If you can go back in Matthew, the 19th and 20th chapter, you know the story, but you can go back and read it uh, in the 20th chapter in particular. We can see a very selfish, self-serving request made by the mother of James and John. Many of you know the story, but here's the whole story. It's interesting, in the 19th chapter of Matthew, Jesus promised his disciples that they would sit with him on 12 thrones. Ah, that's a pretty cool promise. And uh, so to these guys that were just normal, everyday guys, most of them, Luke was a doctor, but most of them were just normal, everyday guys, and, and his promise in, in Matthew 19 chapter was that he would sit with them when he reigned. But Jesus said it in a very interesting way. He said, you'll sit on 12 thrones and reign with me in the regeneration. And that's sort of a weird word. Sometimes Jesus does weird words <laughs> to sort of catch us off guard and make us think a little bit. And that word is actually only used two times in Scripture. The first time is there with Jesus, and then the second time is in Titus, the third chapter, when Paul says, not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he has saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So it seems like that word regeneration means salvation. It means the new birth experience. So I believe first and foremost what Jesus was saying to the disciples at that moment was, when I conquer death and I am raised, salvation will be yours and you'll be enthroned with me in the kingdom of God. And there will be a future thing too, probably, maybe 12 thrones there in heaven. But for now, you're going to be enthroned with me. And haven't we read that in scripture in Ephesians? That we are seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power. So I think that what Jesus was initially saying there was, when you accept me as your Savior finally, after I'm resurrected and ascended to the Father, you're going to be sitting with me in the heavenly realm. Now, here's the interesting part about this. In the Luke, the 18th chapter, when Luke recounts this whole story, and I'm digressing here, but just stay with me. You know, sometimes you got to digress. And hopefully we don't digress too far, and we can't climb our way out. We're going to try. So in the 18th chapter uh, of Luke, Jesus, uh, Luke records it this way. He says all that stuff about seated with him in 12. He used all that information. <laughs> but then he says, he adds one little line. Jesus said, he took the 12 aside, he said, we're going to go to Jerusalem, I'll be delivered to the Gentiles, we'll be mocked and insulted and spit upon. Luke says, but they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, for they did not know the things which were spoken. So when Jesus said, you're going to sit, on me, sit with me on 12 thrones, I believe the apostles had no idea what he was talking about. And the, mayor, the mother of James and John was also listening, and all she heard was thrones. <laughs> so all they were thinking was, hot dog! Jesus is going to defeat Rome, and we're going to sit by 
supplies. That is so interesting there. He didn't say what the Word supplies or what the Holy Spirit supplies. Now, we know that's true. We know everything we have is from the Word. We know that the Holy Spirit inspires everything of the Word into us. But in that particular case, Paul is very specific. He says, you and I supply each other's need according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes growth of the body for the edifying, the building up of itself in love. Wow. Faithful service brings blessing. It brings growth. It brings ministry to each other. That's the way it should be. And, and I'm not, and, and, and please, get, get out of your head. Get out of your head that I'm talking about potlucks at the church, working in the children's program, doing, you know, coming to the church and fixing something at the church. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about being together, one with the other, ministering one to another during the week, where we're at, at work, at home, ministering to somebody. Hey, what do you need? I, I want to be a blessing to you. What, you need some help here. You need some help there. Or, or let's get together and pray. Let's get together and worship. Let's get together. Whatever. It's the body coming together to grow itself. So he was faithful in that type of service, ministering to the body all the time. There are so many things, and I, I've said this over and over again, I think I said it probably when we were in this in the Ephesians with our gifts. Do you know that whatever problem you're having today, there is somebody, somebody in this church that's gone through it? I don't, seriously, I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what you've experienced. Maybe, you're, maybe you were confused by your walk on the moon. You were one of the astronauts. Well, maybe we can't help you with that. But everything else, everybody in this room has experienced every difficulty that life experienced. Death of spouses, death of children, divorce, sickness, all sorts of things. Every one of us has experienced it. So in this body, there is somebody that the Holy Spirit used to minister to you, to bring you strength in your joints, if you will, and bring you to the next level. And that was Titus. Third one is, he was devoted as a fellow laborer. Laborer. Remember, he was, the joints were supplying every need. They were supplying every need. I, I think I shared this with you before. Uh, years and years ago, I was pastoring. We, we, we have this thing that, <clears throat> that we think pastors uh, have all the answers. <laughs> now, some pastors act that way, but some of us are we're still trying to find the answer for what the world we're doing, and we're 62. And uh, I remember one time a brother came up to me in church and said, can I come and talk to your pastor? I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And he made an appointment, came into the office, he sat down, and he said, you know, I just received a, a large sum of money from a, a family thing, and, and he says, I just, I have some questions about investment. <laughs> you know, looking back, I should have said, just make the check out to David for something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, questions? Brother, I have, to, I have questions too. What? I said, no, you need to go to talk to a businessman or something. You need to go talk to somebody that's into finances. I, I, I can't help you with that. What in the world would make him think that I, especially at the time, I was, I think, probably only 33 or 34 or 35, what made him think that, boy, I must have really talked like a smart person. 
next person. But I believe our struggle is to be sympathetic and tenderhearted. Oh, that's hard to do. Every person that you see right now, almost every person in the world, is going flaming nuts in one direction or another. One direction or another. And our goal is to all of them to be sympathetic and tenderhearted. You can have an opinion, that's fine, but just realize that your opinion is worth nothing. <laughs> it's fine to discuss, it's fine in a small group to, to just, you know, go on. That's cool, that's fine. But we've got to remember to be sympathetic and tenderhearted. I, I like it, I like it this way, Matthew the ninth chapter. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sick and diseased person among them. And I love the next verse, because it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they were weary and scattered as sheep having no shepherd. They were confused and aimless. Now you got to remember what the, the crowd that Jesus saw, you know who they were. They were everything from young children to, to Pharisees and Sadducees to religiously arrogant people to Roman soldiers to everybody in between. And he looked on them and he said, I have compassion upon them. Our goal is to deliver this communion first to each other with compassion and love and tenderheartedness and sympathy and then to a weary and scattered world. Say, so how do we do that? We do it just like Tychicus. We do it with a loving spirit. We do it with a sympathetic spirit. We do it with a tender spirit. Don't forget that when you look at that unsafe person that's doing all those wrong things, you used to be just as stupid as them. You used to be making the same mistakes as them. You used to be going down the same stupid path as them. Wandering aimlessly in the dark. We all did the same thing. We need to pour ourselves out like an offering. We need to be broken like bread to feed the hungry. Well, they don't deserve it. Yes, that's right. And neither did you, and neither did I. Well, is it worth it? Is it a waste? Boy, I sure am glad that Jesus didn't question before he came to earth and say, I don't know if I want to go down there because it might be a waste of everything I'm doing. No, he came. Tychicus was that kind of guy, evidently. Seemed to just Go. And he went there with a sympathetic, loving, and tender spirits. That's what we need. So if you want to find out what we're doing today in these last days, just read those last couple verses. Think about Tychicus and all the labor and say, Jesus, I want to be just like him. I want to follow his path with that same type of spirit. Let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you for guys like this, Tychicus, who we, we don't know anything about. We'll, we'll, we'll know him in heaven. I mean, I'm sure right now my, my father, my grandparents, others have gone on before, probably sitting at a table eating pasta with them. Sitting at a table having a good time of fellowship. So that's what you did, Tychicus. Also, so that's why Paul loved you so much. Wow, what a blessing you were to that group and to this group and to that group. All around, you were a blessing to Jews and to Greeks and to barbarians and Scythians and slave people and free people. Wow, what a what a blessing.
wandering. We want to feed the hungry. We want to clothe the poor. We want to do everything we can to help. And we'll do it as we walk in that loving, sympathetic, and tender spirit and labor before you. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And you know, what did Jesus say? He said, what did you, what did you come out to see in the wilderness when you came out to see me? And he harkened back to Isaiah, I believe it was, one of the early prophets, that said, Jesus was a tender shoot out of dry ground. You know, when you think about that, how does a tender shoot that needs so much nourishment grow out of dry dirt? Well, the only way it can is if somebody is nourishing it so it can grow. How many know that you're a tender shoot out of a dry world right now, and the only thing that's nurturing you is Jesus? And the world wants to see that tender shoot. They want to ask you where that comes from. Your brothers and sisters need to see that tender shoot. You and I need to see that tender spirit in all of us reaching out to the lost. Because that's what it's all about. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Go forth praising him. You're dismissed in his name.